Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Justin Lin was replaced on Fast X. Moon Knight has ended, and we get into Doctor Strange 2. Spoilers and non-spoilers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 212 of Real Blend, a podcast that feels the need. The need, need for, spe- for speed. Oh, oh, you're doing this? You're oh, I, thought, do I thought we were supposed to do it. I thought that was all the together. Well, no, now, now it's ruined. Now we can't. Wait, enough. No, no. Why don't we all do uh, a four person oh, no. cl- classic Maverick Iceman high five? All right. That sounds like a good plan. Ready? Right, three, one. two, one. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's that went, that went audio really listeners, well. They thrust their palms <laughs> at the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on this week's show, Justin Lin has been replaced on Fast X. Moon Knight has ended, and we're going to update our tier list. Uh, and, of course, Doctor Strange 2 is finally in theaters this weekend, so we have a fun and spoiler-filled discussion coming your way. Uh, the reason why we are making Top Gun jokes is because, as you can tell from all of our backgrounds, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, uh, we're all in different locations. We're in San Diego for the Top Gun uh, world premiere and red carpet. Uh, we have Jake Hamilton sitting in his Mr. Rogers chair, ready to to welcome the, the, the crew to the show. Jake, how are you? It's funny, for those of us who are watching via YouTube, we're yes. all in a replica type room but all right. of our shots look so different it's it's, it's very reflective of our personalities i think <laughs> yes that's true uh kevin mccarthy reflective of his personality is in a tuxedo in a, literally in a tuxedo yes well yeah i mean look we're, we were all scrambling because uh just to give this a bit of a time stamp we're all in san diego right now obviously for top gun and uh it we can already confirm this because we already did it we're gonna have joe kaczynski joining our show uh, closer to the release uh of right. the film uh, tron legacy director and oblivion phenomenal phenomenal guy um but we're all here because we're all hours away from potentially leaving to go to the red carpet for the USS Midway flight deck for Top Gun Maverick. So I got all dressed up because I thought we were going to go right from here, which we are. That's why I'm all in my tux. So anyway, I'm going to wear my Spider-Man T-shirt on the carpet because you should (laughs) just what I do. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube and you've seen all of these uh, amazing backdrops and fancy clothes, 
Hello, thank you for joining us for episode number 212. Um, if you want to head down, give us a like and a subscribe. You know that we appreciate that. We know. Uh, shout out to the notification crew. I kind of love this. On Friday mornings when the episodes drop, there's a group of people who call themselves the notification crew, and they start to post comments underneath the new episodes. Like, they show up right when it drops. Oh, and, uh, I didn't know that. they start to listen that. to it right away. Yes. Absolutely love it. So, I see you all, and, and we all appreciate you, even though Jake didn't know you exist. Uh, I, I did appreciate um, <laughs> whoever left the YouTube comment about how handsome I am. That, yeah, that is a YouTube was... comment I got behind. As Gabe pointed out, it was your burner account. <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate myself for leaving that comment. Uh, audio listeners, if you want to get in on all the fun of this video form, head to youtube.com backslash RealBlend podcast. Uh, have you signed up yet for RealBlend Premium? Let me tell you what you get with RealBlend Premium, guys. Tell me, Sean. Well, you get a, uh, an ad-free version of the show, whereas the rest of us, the rest of the folks have to endure uh, ad reads and, and a couple of new ads dropped in. You get a newsletter that I write, including one coming this week. Uh, so it should be sitting in your inbox as you're listening to the new episode of Real Blend. Uh, and in addition, you get an extra segment of the show every Monday. Uh, we never quite know how many of us are going to be able to make it to this one. Last week's episode apparently was just Gabe and Jake having a grand old time. It uh, really was. It really is a fun. And I'm trivia. not trying to like like rag on you guys for not being there because everyone has things. But like we had a great time. So sign up for if you want to go to the description of where you're listening right now, it will tell you how to sign up for Real Blend Premium. Um, we want to get to, like we said, the news of the week, which is the replacement of Justin Lin on Fast X. I was convinced, 100 percent convinced it was going to be Vin. And I'm really pretty disappointed yeah. that it's not. It's not. But, Vin. but is it, you know, in the same way that we talk about how particularly for these big action films like Mission and Top Gun, yeah. that that. Tom is kind of an honorary co-director, whether the sure. directors want to admit that or not, because he, sure. he anyone that has the ability to make the, the, the degree of decisions that Tom Cruise is able to make is kind of whether the studio or anyone wants to admit it makes him co-director in a way is Vin kind of co-director on these fast movies. I guess so. Well, so let's give the answer. The, the answer, the replacement for Justin Lin is Louis Leterrier. Yes. Who most people will know from he directed The Incredible Hulk. Uh, for Marvel, he also did the first Now You Can See Me, or did he do both of them? Definitely did Now You Can See Me, yeah. He did the first I, one? I believe um, John Chu did one of the Now You See Me's. Oh, that's true. He did the second one. It really bothers me that the second one's not called Now You Don't. Yeah, that is yeah. a really... That's, that's some Hollywood studio stuff. They're like, but how will yeah. they know it's about the same movie? I know. Yeah, well, I mean... Well, I gotta be honest, no one, no one went and saw the second movie, so clearly it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It is fascinating, though, because, like, yeah, you're right, because if, if they just started promoting a movie called No, You Don't, I mean, I guess or now you it would work. Now you yeah, don't. now you don't. Sorry, yeah, it would work. Hold on. I know that Louis Leteria keep vamping because I know he has one other. Uh, he did uh, Transporter. He did the, yeah, he did the first two Transporters. Okay. Um, he did uh, The Brothers Grimsby. He also okay. did this masterpiece called Clash of the Titans. Clash oh, of the he Titans. did that, too? And I say masterpiece completely sarcastically. Yeah. But apparently... He's, he moved to TV. He did two Netflix series, which I think have been really popular. The um, Dark Crystal, and then there was another one. Lupin okay. or something like that. So he's been consistently working on very high-profile high, ho, high projects. Yeah, and he has okay. another movie that's coming this week to Netflix, a French-language film. Oh, wow. Film, um, he's he's done way more week. stuff. Than, I mean, i got to be honest. Whenever I read that headline, my initial reaction was like Juman Hansu and Guardians. Like, who? Who? Um, but, I mean, he's got a pretty... But, but like, at this point... Any director who signs on for, for a fast movie has to accept that they're that they have to deal with with Vin. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, I, there's a viral video that I've seen pop up on my Twitter um, where it was on Vin Diesel's Instagram where he was taking a selfie video of him and Justin Lin like a week before Justin Lin left the project. Right. Um, I, I'm telling you that video. And again, that you could read into whatever you want to read into, but that video itself, it looked like Justin Lim was kind of just done like already. Like you got to watch this video. And and again, there's so much speculation and we don't know what's, what's true and what's not true, but we've heard so many times over the years about Vin Diesel on the set. And we know him and the rock had some issues and things like that. And we saw some reports this week. Kevin, couldn't you also say, and I don't think we're saying anything that's not very well known in this industry. Like, We've gotten a little taste of of what oh. we've heard about Vin, and just in terms like I don't, I don't think it's I don't think we're breaking any rules by saying like he is infamously late to junk oh, yeah. interviews, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, and 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 for people like listening to this show, you know, Jake and Sean and I all do junkets, and generally speaking, like the talent is on time or five to ten minutes. It, it, when you go to a Vin Diesel interview, you you generally know you're going to be you block later. off the day. Right. And and like and and that's, you know, that's just what kind of, you know, within the industry of what we do for a living. So Jake's kind of making that bridge of like, OK, imagine that, but on a bigger scale yeah. like on a set. Right. Yeah. Where everybody when you have is, an entire right. company breathing down your neck when when millions right. of dollars per per every couple of days are being spent. I mean, and as again, you guys are saying, we often feel bad for the junket crew. Sure. Right. That is and, sitting around yeah. waiting. Yeah. And it's important to clarify, obviously, this is all just like we're talking about our own experiences and speculation. But at the end it of the li- day, ju- just, Justin, up. yeah, Justin left this project. I mean, it's it that's the news. Uh, it seems to be it seems to make sense in that aspect. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what happened. Yeah, um, what was it? The reports were from like it was, you know, anonymous sources close to the yeah. production. Close or to Justin. Right. Yeah, close, close to, to Justin. Lynn, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 we were re- and Gabe pointed this out before we started the show. And I, I don't I don't know who to give proper credit to. But this was a report as well that um, allegedly Universal could be losing six hundred thousand to a too. million yeah. dollars a too. day. That was uh, yeah. Day. They had asked someone who was familiar it wasn't specific to this production they didn't give the number specific to this production but it was some industry insider who is familiar with when there's a director change mid-production and they that's like an average that usually costs yeah. at that scale so, six hundred thousand to a million dollars a day back a to day. louis Leterrier. Yeah. lost um with all due respect to louis Leterrier, and and we mentioned these movies that he's worked on i just think the idea is that like i don't get excited to hear that like a new Louis Leterrier well, movie Well, here's coming. the thing, though. You wouldn't get excited if it was anyone because he's getting hired because he knows how to run a production of that scale. Sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's right. the, the creative decisions are made. He's not going to come in and change much other than, dire- I guess. Other than directing actors. Yeah, like what moment. direction is he really going to be doing? This is kind of what I said last week on the show. It's like they were already in production. And I'm not knocking Louis Leterrier. I'm just it's, it's more of like by the time he steps into that directing chair. Yeah. Every major decision we would assume has been made right. in terms of like character choices and script and things like that. And yes, they could change that along the way. And but it's almost as if like, stopped. yeah, right, they just right, kind of right. like they just kind of place him into the in the grand scheme of it all. And he just kind of operates. I think that's okay. kinda, it's, it's what it sounds like. Who knows? Me. I mean, it's like we, we, we can only assume so far. I, I think, you know, we'll hopefully this is something we'll know more eventually. I think. Uh, these kinds of case studies, I think, are always fascinating, whether however many years it takes or a Blu-ray feature or whatever, to hear the stories about, like, what happened. Not just the Lynn uh, sort yeah, of conflict. Is he dreading the junket already? <laughs> well, he knows everyone's going to have to ask about that, it. that, it's just, you know, I'd love to hear someday hear the stories about, again, less about the Lynn controversy thing, 
but more about like him stepping in. Okay, what happens? Like, what does a director yeah. do when they step in mid-production? What what can they? I mean, it's happened. I mean, it's happened but, I mean like, look at how long ago was um, was Solo. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's 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 happened since we've been doing this. But that show. was that was a full. They they were wanted to redo. This is a. They're not trying to redo anything. Yeah. They just need somebody to they're finish trying to pick it, it back from up. What it sounds like. Yeah. Because like I, I said, the, the second gig. unit hasn't stopped, and I think they're just trying to get him caught up to speed. No pun yeah. intended. Um, hey. As quickly as they can, so so that he can take over. You know, I guess it's a foolproof uh, situation because if it bombs, it wasn't really your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's if it's really it's, good, it's because you stepped gonna, in. Yeah, and you're welcome. Billion yeah. dollars, though. That's the thing about these franchises. Yeah. It's probably still probably. just gonna make a billion yeah. dollars. Also, I mean, it's one of those weird things where, and I said this on the show last week like justin lynn is well known in our circles like just yeah. because we know the filmmaking industry like and and to me lynn is, is synonymous with fast and furious and to me when his name is on something like when he came back to do uh was it he came back for nine after uh stepping away for seven and eight yeah. i was so excited because he directed some of my favorite fast and furious films from five obviously and i, I love aspects of six i even Four really love nine though. Four is, four is bad. No, no, I actually like four. I don't. I actually liked mm-hmm. four. Four was the one they were un, they were going underneath the caves. Yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. was cool. I think that's um, one of the weakest ones. I like that one, but anyways, but Justin Lin particularly, like to me, he's important. Um, it's but like to a general audience, like you're not going to see the new Christopher Nolan right. movie here. You're going it's to the new Fast show now, though. Right, but it's also like <laughs> I, most people probably don't know who the director of a Fast and Furious film is. Sure, most well, most knock. people don't know who any director is. Yeah, like they're. Well, well Spielberg. That's and, what I'm saying. That's it's a yeah. rare occasion. Nolan Spielberg. It's the rare Tarantino. Like most people have no idea. There are a lot of people well, who you say Tarantino and they don't know five of a his lot movies. of people know who James Cameron is, and he's going to be plugging himself into Avatar for the next five five to six years at the very least. And this week, uh, we got to see our first look at Avatar: The Way of Water. Uh, when Kevin and I trekked ourselves out to a theater here in San Diego to see the trailer, which they looped. So this is a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun when it shows you going to a theater with Kevin because the trailer was set to be looped um, for 30 minutes. They were going to show it continuously for 30 minutes. And the first time it screened, I didn't notice this, um, but the aspect ratio was off on the trailer. Uh, and it's not that it was it was still being played, but what was it, Kev? The the screen was like they, yeah. there was like curtains that were blocking still. Yeah. So if you go to a movie theater, sometimes like when they're when they're about to show a film in terms of like whatever how it's supposed to be projected in one eight five two three five two three nine whatever, um, the screen will open and show the screen. There's like there's like a there's like a cover yeah. that like can block, which is a little they... bit see through because you could see the action taking place behind. Right. It, so it was but... almost as if like they basically projected the film and there was. There was like a foot and a half on each side of the frame that we were missing that was right. being covered by some cover. So they ran the trailer on a loop. I think on the fourth or fifth time was the moment when they opened up the screen and we got well, to see it in the proper No ratio. sooner did the first screening end when Kevin <laughs> said... Now, yeah. can you show it with the right aspect ratio? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude. You really? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I'll never forget this. When I... Uh, I mean, I'm, but I'm I'm the kind of guy like I remember for Scorsese's Hugo. Um, I took my parents to see it in Newport News, Virginia, and I remember Scorsese in the interview telling me that like in terms of 3D working properly, the bulb on the th- the, the projector has to be bright enough so that when you put your glasses on and it looked 
dark as hell. So I oh, yeah. ran out of the theater, went to the projectionist and said, I need you to turn up your bulb because Scorsese said so. <laughs> That's what I literally said to the guy. And then like and then in this case, I did yell out. I'm just going to start like, doing that for like everything. Like, hey, I, I want free guac. Because Scorsese said so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, the I mean, I don't know if you guys ever looked at these up. These are really kind of fun to look up if you're into this stuff. But there's like classic notes that directors have sent to projectionists yeah, over yeah. the years. Sure. Um, but even like decades back, like hearing like a filmmaker say, "I need you to," or Kubrick would say, "You know." Uh, make sure you project my film in this ratio yeah. at this whatever and it's like it's a cool thing i, I mean, always going back to um notes. like yeah. like didn't hitchcock tell theaters don't let anyone in like once psycho starts don't let anyone yeah. in like no yeah. no late admissions well yeah. which, I, which it, I love yeah. it made me think about this too like when james cameron turns avatar over to the masses right mm-hmm. like he can't control that uh, a screening in san diego didn't open the curtains enough right <laughs> And if he knew it would it would annoy him to no end. Yeah. Right. But he can't he has no control over that. At that point, it's out because to, in Kevin's defense. We, so it played three times through before they fixed it. And when they fixed it, it was a different experience. It really was a different experience. Oh, yeah. It opened it up more and we appreciated more Pandora. And it was it was impressive. Now imagine how terrified filmmakers are when they're making a movie for streaming only. And it's how big is the TV? Yeah. Is there a light? Are, you, are they on the their window? phone? Are they on their right. phone? Do they sure, even sure. have speakers that can yeah. play the frequencies that we mix this for? Like, yes, yeah. it's scary. Like to put your work out in the world and base it on. A projectionist who's going to yeah. project your film the right way. It's like, sure. Well, at that least is that's a, a little controlled. At least that's a little controlled, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but to it, Joe Schmo's yeah. set up in their dorm room. Who's like but, trashing uh, a movie that they saw on a yeah. 19 oh inch monitor. So do we yourself a favor the... though. Yeah. Anyway, oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. I was just saying, do yourself a favor and look up these old director notes. If you can find them, like just search like director notes to projectionists and you'll see kind of how adamant it's a long paper about like, here's how to do it. Here's how to, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So I mentioned last week that I had seen it, uh, seen this footage at CinemaCon. I will mention that the 3D to me was significantly better from where I was sitting because in CinemaCon, we were in a large auditorium. I was up uh, in the balcony and to the left. So the 3D looked good, but not terrific. Uh, In this instance, we were, you know, dead front and center looking right up at the screen and a a lot of the visuals that were coming through uh, the screen and, and the layers that were that were weaved into the action stood out a lot more to me. Um, I want to hear Kevin's opinion of it, because to me, like the look and feel of it still just feels like Avatar. I mean, it looks like the the Navi, you know, and in Pandora. And there's not a lot of plot detail that's given in this footage that we saw. So it just looks but like a little bit more of the same. Tell a 15 year difference. No, I could not. That's could not. a little disappointing to me. If I'm like, <laughs> so, like hearing you guys yeah. say. It just looks like Avatar is. Yeah. And just is such a terrible word to use for James Cameron. But like you're telling me 15 years later, it still looks the exact same. So I have, here's, some, pu- I have some pushback. To that. Sorry. And I want to get to your point, Kev. But like it looked great. Like why? why I'm not worried about it not looking like it did. I want the story to be good. Like that's sure. been my conceit all along is like, well, OK, if he's taking this time to work on story mm-hmm. the way that he took time to work on the technology, then let the technology be what it is, even though he has worked on. And I think Kevin, you'll probably get into the technology that he did work on for this, for the underwater stuff. I'm okay with it looking like avatar. If the story's better for me, like that, <laughs> that to me, that's the bigger problem. My timeline with avatar is fascinating because when I first saw it, 
the first movie, the 3D and the visuals were mind-blowing, but the story was, did nothing for me. And I was ultimately disappointed in the film. But as that film progressed over the years and I like rewatched it at home or whatever, I don't think that CG held up in a realistic way for me over these 15 years. So to Jake's point, I also you would expect 15 years later that this would look mind blowingly better, in my personal opinion, um, because Cameron is a technology genius. Um, Terminator 2 still looks better than... I think Terminator 2 looks better than the first Avatar. Just because Terminator 2 blends CG and practical. And, the, and sure, there's some dated shots. But the guy... Uh, when T-1000 comes out of the floor in the hospital, that looks better than, in my opinion, any shot in Avatar. Um, it, held, it holds up more than that. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I... Y- you're making four more of these. You expect this to be astounding. Um, the trailer had no story that I could yeah. capture. I watched right. the trailer seven times on a loop um, and it was just visual. So if you're putting an Avatar trailer out on Dr. Strange film, I, in my mind, aren't you're trying to sell your film. And I know the name Avatar is already a selling point, as Jake was saying, but it did nothing for me. Like, I mean, yeah, the 3D was cool. The depth of field looked great. I mean, he invented these cameras for the first Avatar that give a really good sense of depth of field. You can see into the frame. It feels like you can put your finger into the actual world. Um, but it looked like another Avatar film. And I'm not, I, don't, I know it sounds like a knock, but it, you just Until expect, we know what the story is. Yeah, but don't you, you would expect it to be bigger and better. I don't yeah. know. I just, I, like Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, Look what happened in that in that. That's an interesting years. point. That's a very interesting right? point. And the Terminator, story was better. Right. Terminator mm-hmm. 1 was like full-blown practical, cool yeah. animatronic, Stan Winston style. Same thing with 2, but they blended the CG in. T-1000, man. Right, but T-2 was such a jump and, and a necessary jump. And that was only seven years from 84 or whatever it was to 91 or 92. What happened between 2000, what was it, 2009 to 2022? Yeah. I just don't. I'm I still mean, reserving my judgment. Oh, uh, I listen, still reserving my judgment. I am a James Cameron. I I will love everything he does. I'm not a huge Avatar fan, but I trust in him to deliver. It's just that teaser did not think nothing for me. It didn't move the needle for me. Really. We are recording this on May the fourth. This is an hey. unofficial, unofficial Star Wars uh, holiday, so uh, we should talk about the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer that just dropped in anticipation of. Star Wars Celebration, which is coming up in Anaheim, and the arrival of this new show. Uh, Jake, I know you said you were a bigger fan of the of the first trailer and the way that it used Duel of the Fates. Yeah, but, but what did you think about that? I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Like, that's cheating, because, like, the reason I love the first trailer so much is whenever it kicks in with Duel of Fates, and then it kicks in with um, Battle of the Heroes, the, the score from, from Episode 3. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I just love that so much. This is just a little bit more of a pure story. And like here, you know, the thing that excites me about Obi-Wan, the reason that I'm I'm genuinely jacked is that it feel. And look, I get the idea that they're making up these stories as they go along. Like, it's not like this Mm. thing happened and they're telling, you know, but this feels like it genuinely organically happened. And we're just finding out what happened. It doesn't feel like a story they made up for Disney, like Boba Fett. Kind of mm-hmm. felt like not so much a thing that happened, but they just sort of made up this Boba Fett story. It, you know, it felt a little bit more like fan fiction, and they and then we just got to watch it play out. And isn't this fun? It was the Patton Oswalt thing of him. Yes, very, out of the yes, very much, very much. <laughs> Obi Wan, and I hope I hope I'm making sense with this. 
Because again, I understand that they're just, they're always just making these things up. Obi-Wan though, it feels like it genuinely did already happen. And it feels like we're just getting a look at this moment in Star Wars history. It feels organic, it feels real, it feels like a story that genuinely does need to be told. Because what did happen when Obi-Wan went into hiding between whenever he stumbled across a, a young boy named Luke Skywalker? Sure, sure. Like it's, that's that's a story that needs to be told. And like this idea that, I'm getting chills thinking about this, that we're going to see that Obi-Wan Darth Vader showdown that, I mean, did you guys ever see that fan-made video of what the Obi-Wan Darth Vader lightsaber fight from A New Hope would look like if they had like today's stuntman. Because you know, in the end of New Hope, it's very much two older guys just kind of hacking sure. away at each other. Yeah. And someone remade that <laughs> scene, but using like the style of fighting that they do from Phantom Menace all the way through um, okay. Revenge of the Sith. Like very like, it's, it's impressive. And it's it's just like, damn, like, it would have been cool to see that. Of course, they couldn't do that back in 1977. Right, right. I think we're going to get that. Okay, and but let me ask a question, though. Yes. Can they, can they do multiple seasons of Obi-Wan to lead up to Because when we see Luke through the binoculars, he's sure. still a kid. Yeah, yeah, he's a child. So you could do a couple of seasons before you hand the baton over to, to Alec, essentially. Yeah. yeah. They never say never, but the trailer, I did note that the trailer specifically says a six episode event. But so does, I mean, leading up to Moon Knight, it was very much a like, this is like Oscar Isaac didn't sign on for MCU. Sure. This is not, you know, and, and not to get into to spoilers because I don't want to ruin it for Kevin. But like the the end of, of Moon Knight very much implies that we're going to see Oscar Isaac again in the MCU. Sure. Or we're going to see another season of like, you don't end a season like that. And, and not come back. So we'll get to I that mean, later. But I yes. see what you're saying. Like yes. I said, never say never. But they're yeah. very specifically I think, saying. I think they're covering their ass because it probably kind of depends on you and McGregor. It depends on whether or not he wants to come back and keep doing right. that. So like, I think right now you don't commit. You just say like, isn't this fun? Isn't this a good story? Um, but uh, but I just honestly, I'm I'm genuinely jacked. I, I it's it's it, I'm more excited about this than any Marvel thing that there's been in a while. So two questions. Yep. One, at the end of the trailer, it shows Vader being put in the suit. Yes. So are we going to see Hayden like as Anakin at all? I like, think I think so. Well, I mean, I, if anything, I think we could see Darth Vader just with his helmet off. Oh, for real? Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a scarred, burnt up, gnarly. Like uh, Return of the Jedi style? Yeah, but just like what, you know, there, there's some That's really great. Though. There's some really great um, like fan fiction like drawings of like what like when, when he still looked like Hayden, what he would look like with his mask off and right. just just burnt to hell and just all kind of like, you know, think think of of when think of that moment when he leaves him on the side of that of that lava river in Mustafar. Yeah. Yeah. Like how just completely. And, and but doesn't what the suit keep him alive? The suit keeps him alive, but like he can remove it. I mean, if, if if it's all like lungs and stuff, you know, like if it's just this, if it's just, keep in mind the, the 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 mask from his mouth to the top of his head comes off. Okay, gotcha. and the rest of the suit, I think the whole suit keeps is what keeps him alive. Well, and he, okay. he has that little chamber that he stays in when yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. like the back to tank right. kind of thing. Back to tank. Do, do so I'm sure it's going to be him in and out of that at least. Do you think Darth okay. Vader uses a sleep apnea machine? Definitely. I think he does. Yeah, without I, I, th I think I, he is a walking sleep apnea machine. Someone <laughs> needs to find this out. My dad, my dad uses those, and his favorite joke is like, "It's like I'm Darth Vader. I'm like your father." Yeah. 
I want to know oh, if Darth Vader uses it, a synaptia machine and if Miles Teller got whiplash when he was filming the plane scenes in Top Gun. Those are the two things I need to know. I did ask I... Miles Teller if anytime he sits in front of an instrument, does he have PTSD that J.K. Simmons is going to come out and just slap the hell out of him? Um, but uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm genuinely jacked. I hope you guys are too. Um, I, you know, for those of us, I, I think we can openly say that, that we're doing interviews, but we don't get to see it early. No, so we're going to see it. We're going to see how long. OK, here's a question. Now. I know we have to move on. How long do you guys think until Vader shows up? I don't think we see him first episode. Oh, I think first episode. You think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Definitely. Even if it's the very end, I think first, especially episode. if he's in the trailer that they already gave if they already gave him in the trailer. I also want to give Disney uh, Plus a credit. Uh, I, I love the way they did the Disney Plus logo at the end. Did you guys see that? <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. The lightsaber to yes. go like it was I honestly I'm a I, think they, that kind of stuff. I think they should I don't know why they shouldn't because I don't think you can overuse Vader necessarily yeah. I think it would yeah. be great if he was like throughout the whole series like what the what are they called the Inquisition is that what the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah if he if they were constantly coming back to him with you know orders and th- like he was sort of playing that mastermind behind that side of the plot throughout every episode I'd be so in I'd take that so much more than just another like here's one fight with him and a silhouette like can I ask you guys a quick Question. So, so no. you guys, you guys watched the the animated series, right? Which one? Clone Wars. Uh, which one is the one that shows the the face off between Obi Wan and Darth Maul? Yeah, Clone Wars. Okay. I've always felt like that. That's such a great moment to think about. But I've always felt that that animated fight between them is a little lackluster. It's a lot of. It's a, it's a great conversation between the two, and then it's basically one swing, two swing. Darth Maul's dead. Sure. Sure. And I've always kind of thought like, yes, even though those series are canon, I wouldn't mind seeing that read. We talked about multiple seasons of Obi-Wan. I wouldn't mind seeing that scene redone in live action with a little bit more of an oomph to it. Wasn't Maul in Solo? Mm -hmm. Very briefly, yes. That's right. It it was going to be set up for more Solo sequels, which obviously didn't. But he was was Darth shopping Maul in in Solo. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But, like, do you you guys think that they would, like, redo their own animated scenes in live action? Because I I really want to see Ewan and Ray Park go head-to-head, even though we've already seen it. But at that point in the series, Obi-Wan, it's got to be later, because Obi-Wan's already looking like Alec Guinness by that point. Okay. Oh, by the way... The casting of Joel Edgerton is so spot on. Well, he's in Revenge you, of the Sith. No, I know, but like, just, but it just, it, it like, does just, look I, like, like, Uncle just Owen. seeing the images in that trailer, it, I mean, I, I know, it's so yeah. exact. And, and he kind of nails, I don't, forgive me, I don't know the actor who I plays Uncle him. Owen. I was like, he, he nails, because the, the actor who plays Uncle Owen in A New Hope has kind of that rough and gravelly voice, and he does right. kind of nail that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's going to be great. When I saw, like, uh, there was some, I don't know what it was about that shot, but when that popped up, I actually yes. thought it was A New Hope again for some weird reason. Just Are you excited looked, about it? Are you excited oh, about Obi Wan? I'm excited about it only because I'm a huge Ewan McGregor fan. Sure, um, I he think was the he's, best part of the prequels. I agree with you. Him and uh, I, I just this is this is one that I'm fascinated by. I really am. And, and I, I honestly, though, I'm just trying to figure out because the Mandalorian was one that I got into because I naturally fell into loving it. But Obi Wan is a character that I am interested in learning more about personally. Um, and so yeah, the trailer looks great. I mean, I'm. We are in a bit of a fatigue period right now, and I think we're going to see a little bit of that this weekend with Doctor Strange, just in terms of like how much Marvel, how much stars, Star Wars we're getting all at once and whether or not we need a break in between. We need to miss these characters or miss these franchises a bit before we take them on again. But Obi-Wan seems to be coming at a time where 
I'm actually interested in it. Yeah. Um, but I but I have I have experienced fatigue on both Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah, I was going. I wanted and, to talk and, Marvel fatigue when we got to Moon Knight. Yeah, when we get, especially when we get to Doctor Strange, because I just wonder, like, you know, especially after how No Way Home just came out, it was just there. We just had a whole movie with Doctor Strange, basically. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll talk about it before we get before we move on. Um, I want to put something on record because we talked about how Obi Wan could potentially transition uh, and hand the baton over to a New Hope, um, and I had a thought about Better Call Saul. Uh, well, I haven't started is, this season yet. Well, that's okay. This is not spoilery. But we, um, PJ and I, when we finished the most recent season before we watched the new season, before we started the new season, we went and watched Saul's first appearance in um, Oh, interesting. Interesting. And his very first scene, he's walking into an interrogation room where Badger has been caught. Uh, And the cops are interrogating Badger and he essentially comes in and he's just like, stop talking. What are you doing? This is my client kind of thing. And I want the very last scene of Better Call Saul to be him outside of that door. Yes. And saying, I got a client. I got to go. Some kid named Badger. And did you ever see the, the movie Red Dragon? Yes. It's a really good if you've never seen it. It's actually for it's directed by Brett Ratner, but it's a really good Hannibal Lecter movie. I saw it a and long the, time ago. The end of Red Dragon. Ray Fiennes. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's after all the Ray Fine stuff. And it's um, uh, Hannibal, like in his iconic cell. And the guy who's like the warden that he ends up eating at the end of Silence of the Lambs, like walks in like after everything, all the madness has happened with Ray Fiennes and Ed Norton and all that sort of stuff. And he comes up to um, Hannibal Lecter and says, uh, there's a young, pretty woman here from the FBI that wants to talk to you about something. Okay. And and Hannibal doesn't speak to him. And he kind of just goes like, okay, I'll tell her to go away. And he walks away. And all of a sudden Hannibal raises his head and goes, what's her name? And it cuts to black. Oh, and I really? always thought that, I'm getting chills. I always thought That's cool. that was so great. I thought that yeah. was such a great, and it's, it's very similar, to, and that would be a great, very similar to um, Rogue One and A New Hope. Yes. La- I'll keep this quick because like Sean brings up an interesting point. I interviewed Odin Kirk the day before he left to shoot the final season of Saul. That's cool. And, and I was, and it was like, he was, I was talking to him and he was literally leaving the next morning. And I said to him, I was like, dude, I was like, these shows, so many TV shows end in such a dark way. I was like, don't you feel like Saul deserves some type of like redemption? And like, because by the time we get to Breaking Bad and then the beginning of this series, he's at the Cinnabon. He's like his whole life is ruined. He's had to change his entire life. And Odenkirk was so emotionally invested in trying to get Saul to come out on top at least yeah. or to ha- because he's been through so much and yep. I just I, I'm kind of hoping I know happy endings are hard to do and it's hard to stick the landing particularly um, for these characters but I feel like Saul has earned the right to try and get a second chance because of everything he went through with his brother and the guys and Breaking Bad you mean um, like Nebraska Saul yeah, I, I just, I just want, I just want to see him go off and be okay. I don't know. I, I, it's a really brutal thing that guy's been Vince through. Vince Gilligan, Vince Gilligan doesn't deal in that. Well, you know what's funny? <laughs> Odenkirk was like, I think the people who are writing this show don't agree with us on this, but yeah. I would like to see this happen. <laughs> I right. was like, but I can tell you, it probably won't. Let's so. take a quick uh, ad break to pay some bills, and we'll see you guys on the other side. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. 
Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And we are back, starting to talk about Moon Knight, which had its season finale, uh, not series finale, even though at one point uh, Marvel tweeted that it was a series finale. Jake and I were talking about this at breakfast this morning about how it feels like the way that Moon Knight ended. uh, And because we don't know necessarily the full plans for Marvel in their phase four and beyond, I don't need this character to have a second season necessarily. I think it's now he's been established uh, his backstory and his origins have all been filled in. We kind of know his powers or the extent of what uh, Oscar Isaac is able to do with them, and now they can use him in other places. Can we? Uh, um, should we put up a spoiler warning before we get into uh, details sure. about that? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so we're going to talk about not just uh, the finale of Moon Knight, but the entirety of the season. So if you feel like you are behind uh, and haven't caught up and, and are concerned about learning you know, specific ways that the series ends... Skip ahead to our This Week in Movies where we're going to get into Doctor Strange. So it's a little heavy Marvel as we get into uh, the season. So moving forward, and now we're talking spoilers. Um, this, this feels like a character that probably doesn't deserve, is, is not going to get his own movie. But Marvel is now at the point, I was sort of saying this to Jake, where characters can just can crisscross constantly, you know, and like the new Spider-Man movie can feature Doctor Strange or uh, the Doctor Strange movie can be heavily emphasized by Wanda uh, appearing and the, the the Guardians will be in the Thor movie. And so Moon Knight feels like one of those characters is just going to show up in someone's film. Uh, and I think Mahershala Ali's Blade makes the most sense, um, the way that he is kind of a grounded you know, street level hero, the way Daredevil would be or the way Spider-Man might be considered to be. And with Marvel moving forward, there's so many cosmic uh, characters from the Guardians uh, to the, to Captain Marvel and the people who are featured in the Marvels where Moon Knight wouldn't necessarily make sense. So I'm glad he's part of the world, but I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge to find out where to fit him because of the way that he um, interacts with the different characters. Um, but, you know, it, 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 feels, it fits a little bit too some Black Panther side of it too, because they talked about the ancestral plane and the Egyptian, yeah. uh, the influence of the Egyptian gods. I call it. That. Could, it could also feature a little bit into the Eternals because the Egyptian gods talked about when they were all in there, uh, their temple together, and the different avatars of the different gods, where they said, "Hey, we kind of agreed we were not going to interfere, you know, yeah. with the humans and Khonshu. You're the one who's stepping in and, and judging all of these people based on vengeance." Um, it had a sense of the Eternals too, like we've been yeah. around for a really long time, and this is how things work. Yeah. So there's some Which is a great sort of 
right around for the the common fan complaint, which is like, wait, where were you the whole time? It's a yes. really great sort of sort of like, cop out's the wrong word, but it's a really great, I guess, explanation as to where they were. It's yeah. a necessary evil. You yes. know, they yeah. yeah. And actually, I actually like the whole idea of like, like you're on your own, like we're not interfering yeah. kind of thing. I would I, agree. I, like, I'm totally cool with that. So I thought that this series and Jake, you might disagree, uh, needed all six episodes to cover properly um, how complicated Moon Knight is as a character, because you have to explain his his DID and you have to explain the difference between Stephen and Mark and then also uh, Jake, who we meet at the very end of it. Um, And if you rush through that, it's possible. I'm sure it's possible. But I appreciated the time that was spent uh, which each with, with each of them uh, for them to catch up narratively to figure out how they weaved together. Now, because of that, it meant that there wasn't as much Moon Knight in the series. Sure. And that's a, that's a knock on it. And I can't argue against it. Um, but I thought we got enough of that in the finale. And I never lost interest in the story. Did it hold your interest all the way through or how did how did you feel about it? Uh, I got to be honest, this this very much falls under the umbrella of my feelings about a majority of the other Marvel shows outside of Loki, which is could have been a movie. Like I really, I really think Moon Knight, if you took the best of the six episodes and made it like the, the fifth episode of this series, I thought was some of Marvel's Marvel at its best. You don't get that in a movie though. I think you do. I I think that's, I think that's the end of the second act. You don't get an hour. I didn't need an hour of it. Uh, I I just, I, I mean, I just sort of, I, I haven't, outside of Loki, really felt that that the six, seven, eight episode run of these Marvel series is justified. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's not to say that it doesn't have its moments. It's not to say that Oscar Isaac isn't Emmy worthy, and I do think he's Emmy worthy, and I, I I'm not throwing that so around good. lightly. Um, and that you're and that's speaking as someone who did not overtly love this series. Emmy worthy work from Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that I'm not intrigued about the concept of seeing him, you know, interweaved within the MCU moving forward. It's just to say, and, and Sean and I were talking about this, Gabe, Gabe, I want you to help me like figure out how to properly utilize this as a, as a criticism. Okay. Which is that I just fe- genuinely feel like my enthusiasm for Marvel is waning. I right. really feel that once we hit end game, like a like a a switch in me flicked off and where i sort of feel like okay like we it's it like that's that's the end and then everything else just sort of feels like oh we're still going that's we're still and and no way home was an anomaly because of of bringing in the nostalgia factor of toby and andrew like that's that you know that my excitement for that is not representative or indicative of my excitement for marvel as a whole it just sort of feels like i'm kind of like i'm even at a point where like when WandaVision was coming out and even when Loki was coming out, I was like making a point to like wake up and, and, and try to see it or avoid spoilers or stay off Twitter. Now I'm kind of in this sort of like, I hope I don't have it ruined for me, but if it happens, it happens. Like, you know, I'll get around to watching it. Like I, I had to like make a point to rush through the past few episodes to even be able to do this episode of Real Blend. And I just don't know what's wrong with me. I just like, I'm just not as it's not to say that like i'm not excited to see dr strange and obviously like i'm excited to see thor and and like you know i'll be there and but like i it, it as of now it feels like uh when i get around to it as opposed to like i uh, get out of my way i'm first in line and 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 i feel like that's i gotta figure out how to review this stuff and i, I just does that make my reviews unfair moving forward 
Uh, no, I mean, it's I think that's the baggage that anyone could come in with. Like, that's what, you know, we say reviews are not objective, they're subjective. And right now your your subjective perspective is is kind of being, you know, we we're talking about fatigue and such. Like, that's a bit mm-hmm. of fatigue. Like, you're just kind of not yeah. into it. Because I, I don't have Star Wars fatigue. It. Now, granted, I didn't Different like Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like Boba Fett, but like I'm back to being jacked about Obi-Wan. So maybe we're like one Marvel equivalent of Obi-Wan away. Well, okay, right. here's here's the comparison. Marvel came out of the gate with their heaviest hitters of characters. Mm-hmm. And now they're into what the mainstream audience would consider some more B tier. Sure. You know, and even C tier uh, sure. level heroes. But I didn't know who the hell Guardians of the Galaxy were before for that sure. movie came out. No, and that worked for sure. sure. But like you're geeked for obi-wan because you know obi-wan and sure, he's a right. big sure, sure, character sure. you know in and, that and Darth vader is literally coming back yeah so yeah. you know it's, maybe it's almost that. the equivalent of like a series that brings back downey as iron man here of. here's what i'll say and I, I think jake and i were talking about this um just before we were recording it still feels like we're in to give to give marvel the benefit of the doubt that you know this giant corporation that makes billions of dollars at a time needs a benefit of a doubt but um we're still very much in the refractory period of po- like post end game in the universe. Like yeah. the storytelling itself, we will talk about Dr. Strange, but Dr. Strange in many ways is still very much a response to the, to the events of infinity war and end game. Mm-hmm. And for better or worse, that, that I think is why you feel that way. I kind of might feel that way. I think that's why we feel that way is because we're not building towards a new big thing necessarily, mm-hmm. or at least it's not as obvious. Yeah. And so we're, whether they're good or not, or, you know, they're, they're just good enough. They're exciting. They're entertaining. They don't have that added factor of mystery of like, what's going to come next. It's yeah. still in that mode of like the denouement of, sure. of, of, of in game of kind yeah. of like these characters responding to this thing, which is fair because, you know, it, it's giving credit to how monumentous that event was to these characters that they need to, they need to have a response. Yeah. Um, but I think that's sort of the crux of it is we're, sure. we're still building up to whatever blade is, and we're still building up to, uh, whatever Moon Knight might do next. Like, we're still building up to what I think this next sure. thing is going to be. Let's talk a little bit about that, because, Sean, you mentioned, like... I, I just know, wanted to be, like, open and honest about, like, where I was yeah, mentally I think and that's emotionally fair. And about I feel, this. I feel similarly. I still get excited about Marvel stuff, um, but I do feel similarly of, like, okay, yeah, I think we're just not in that, in the well, prime and, zone. That and there's an be. element of, like, there's new characters that are introduced in the end credits of both Eternals um, and... Doctor Strange, which you'll find out. Um, and it's not like, holy shit, that's Nick Fury, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, oh my God, that's Thor's hammer. But now, now it's more about like, oh, look, it's that actor playing a character that we don't know who the character is. There's a bit is. of that. A little bit. Yeah, I feel that. What, Sean, and, what, do, you, what do you think about... I, I think what might happen with Moon Knight is we're not going to get another series. I, I, I don't necessarily see the benefit of that. But I've seen people discuss, and I don't know, I don't know much about this. I know that there's a video game coming out, which often points to um, sort of where the larger MCU wants to go when they're trying mm-hmm. to familiarize people with these characters. Um, but the the Midnight Suns, where yeah. Moon Knight doesn't get a Moon Knight movie, but we see Oscar Isaac show up in a team up movie, which Marvel really probably wants to prioritize, is that they have all these teams that they can do. They know that you know by the time they got to Civil War. They knew that, like, if we just make these Avengers movies, they'll do well because those are the sure. most exciting bits for the fans. Mm-hmm. And looking at a list of those characters that have appeared in the comics, we have Blade, Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, Captain America, which is, you know, obviously Carol Danvers, Wolverine, Morbius, who's a, a maybe, I guess, but also Yeesh. Moon Knight. 
do you see that that's more kind of what these shows are going to do is that they're just going to point they're trying to build the block so that we don't need the origin story movie that everyone's kind of exhausted by in every single movie that comes out now that's a singular character's origin story where it follows that three act structure there's not much they can do or choose right, to right. do yeah these shows allow them to tell a much more nuanced story and then now they can just team them up and we're not going to get Moon Knight movie. We're going to get Moon Knight with all these other characters that we've seen. I think that's the case. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like with the Netflix model where they introduced Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist and Jessica Jones. And then it mm-hmm. built to, to a Defenders series right. under the model you're almost talking about. Defenders would have been a movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you met all those characters in other properties and then it made sense to team them up that way. And it's interesting now with the MCU, like they, they're just sort of dropping people like Daredevil shows up in the in Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, you know, he's there. You could set up that that, you know, team up movie that you're talking about where it becomes like Blade Moon Knight. You could probably even pull the Punisher in at that point now, mm-hmm. you know, because all of us kind of believe that it's canon. Uh, so, yeah, it can it can do exciting sort of team ups like that. And uh, but we just don't know if that's if that's where they're heading. Yeah. So we'll I will say, say so it, it, are there any final thoughts before we kind of do a tier list or like round this up? I, I can't, you can't praise Oscar Isaac enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100%. I honestly believe that he gave one of the best performances that I've seen in the MCU. Yeah. And uh, what was and, demanded of him was more than most actors are demanded of in the MCU. And that's not, to, that's not a knock on the rest of the MCU as much as it is a compliment on what, on, on his ability as an actor. Because if you try to do that character and it turns out wrong. Yeah. It's really uh, it, it would stand out. Yeah. And I and think I, and like potentially borderline offensive. Could be. Could be. Um, sure. But yeah. by the finale, he was seamlessly transitioning mm-hmm. between the characters. Yeah. Like mid sentence. Yeah. When and they finally yeah. achieved balance, especially was, yeah. was great. And because he's so good. You knew exactly who he was, yeah. you know, at the, each moment. And it was flawless. Yeah. Reminiscent so I, of uh, the actor from everything everywhere all at once. Yes. And what was required of him? Yes, exactly. So I, I can't like I just wanted to throw a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more praise. No, on absolutely. Isaac. I agree. And I think I'll go ahead and pull up. So so we are going to throw this on the tier list. I'll pull up the tier list here uh, for the folks at home. We'll can, see. Can I, um, can I come back into the conversation? So for people who are listening, I um, I have stepped away from this conversation because I have not finished Moon Knight. Um, right. But I listened to what y'all were saying. So I'm not really too worried about spoilers based on the three of y'all's overall thoughts i just want to guess this well well, well but, but, I'll, I'll, write about that, I'll write yeah, it down i'll write it down you guys do it i, I didn't right. quite get to say exactly i very much enjoyed this series i think mm-hmm. i enjoyed the the bulk of if not every episode um i i think it was cast really well i think every character was really interesting i like where it went i like i like that we got to spend so much time um learning about each of the versions of you know mark specter and steven I felt that the mystery going through it was great. I thought that Ethan Hawke was fantastic. And maybe this is controversial to say for me. I'll wait. I'll let Kevin guess. I, I very much enjoyed this and I, I don't have a lot of knocks um, against it. Mm-hmm. So I think I might probably I might enjoy it. I think I definitely enjoy it more than Jake did. Um, Sean, I'm not sure with what you've said. I'm not sure where you're going to put this, um, but I'll let Kevin guess where we're going to where we're going to go. Uh- I'm feeling this is a B. Okay. <clears throat> Sean, where, where, where would you put it on this tier list? 
or just on a tier, what tier would you give it? On a tier. This is this is the complicated Again, part. Yeah. It's regardless of what's already on there. It's when you think of this, this is your, where do you put it on your tier list? And then we average it out and it and it. Joins I got to say list. a I have to say a because of the of the really confident way they handled a complicated origin. Mm-hmm. I thought Ethan Hawke was phenomenal uh, as Harrow. And I thought yeah. Oscar Isaac has given one of the best MCU performances I've seen. So for those I, reasons, I'm saying A. I also say A. And it's a solid A for me. I think Loki and this do something different, but I have no problem putting them on the same on the same caliber. Not that we're referencing this list, but I also think Loki is an A personally. And I think that they both achieve and, and what trips me up is when format. I see Hawkeye as a B, I'm like, it, it's so much better than Hawkeye, you know? So, yeah. But I know we yes. can't compare that way. So, right. Jake, you're going to fight us? I don't think it, I don't think it's an A. Okay. Uh, it, I I would also I would say it's a B, but also it frustrates me t- at the idea of having it next to Hawkeye. But I then again I also fought you guys on Hawkeye because I did not believe Hawkeye was a B. And okay. I know we can't do that, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I think Moon Knight is a, is a B because for me when it when it worked, and this is the difference between for me between Moon Knight and Loki. When it worked, it worked really well. Yeah. But my problem is it just didn't always work for me. There were, I thought, in that in the six episode stretch, genuine chunks and periods where I was like, okay, come on, let's go. Let's move this along. Come on. Like, mm. like we don't really need we don't which is why I go back to the could have been a movie. You know, like the like the um, you know, the the Zoom meetings that could have been an email. Like it's just like it's mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to Loki, every single moment of Loki sure. felt necessary and kept mm. me engaged and attached. Uh, was not the case with Moon Knight. You know, it's sort of the 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 phone test, and there were a couple of moments I was like, okay, put my phone down. It's just sort of like, okay, I can pick up my phone during this moment. Like it just um, interesting di- didn't pass the phone test for me. So for me, it's a, it's a solid B because the stuff that works is fantastic, but not everything works. Um, I, yeah, I didn't have I didn't have that issue for me. I was enthralled throughout. I did want to ask you guys because I was I was anticipating it not going well just because it's so hard to do after so much buildup. But the final like fight, the final like. Uh, the culmination of that final episode I thought was awesome and was was a it just great felt very Marvel for me it just felt very like okay here we go this, right. is, the, oh, this is the Marvel see, thing I, I disagree I thought I, the I scale thought the fact that they had fights at two different scales and yeah. you would see them fighting and then the giant gods behind them kaiju level fights. I thought was so clever and so cool I thought the character designs of the gods were were great and they looked great I mean we're talking also, about a TV show with this, you know I mean, you know, you know where it would have looked TV great show. on a big screen <laughs> You know but what? that's all right. Episode five alone of the series is a is a bigger swing than most television shows take, and it landed it. Like episode five was really great. Yeah, here, yeah. Jake. Here's my here's what I'll, here's what I kind of said earlier, but but <laughs> a, a more finer point on why I disagree with you that it would be a movie. I think that you're not wrong that they could condense this into a movie, but I think if you got of the movie version of this origin story, you would complain about it the same way we complain about Captain Marvel or those other films that feel like phase one origin story, wash, rinse, repeat Marvel, where we'd get a bit I of a don't know. This, I feel like this would be an origin story that that was nuts. The, the whole, I think it the, the is Mark because they gave thing. it six episodes, though. I think you know it is. I, I think if, I, they I, had, if they had two and a half hours to do it, I you do there's so much you would lose that I feel like we would be complaining that it feels like a generic origin story because the structure would have to change so much. 
But you have to, okay, you have to understand. And I think this is just representative of, again, my attitude toward, toward Marvel right now. For those of us who are watching on YouTube, you can see the tier that we, that we have made. I want to stick my hands in that tier and, and just, around. just bring <laughs> a lot of it down. Yeah. Just bring, like, there's yeah. so much. I just wish I could stick my hand in that screen and just yeah. drag a majority that's, of those movies down. And again, that's the fun of this segment is none of us are really happy because it's, a, it's an know, average you, of you all of us. You guys say that, but I find that I'm the one that is usually end up unhappy with this. I feel you like know what, I, Jake? You're dragging the majority of this show down is what you're doing. True. With your negativity. No, we have well, too many can S's. Can I just go back to doing premium trivia with Gabe? Because I was perfectly happy last week doing that <laughs> all right so i i, I mean i mean go ahead and give it an a i mean you it's, guys both voted a but it's but an a. it's it's not oh, look at that we have too uh, many a's we do we have a lot of a's can we when we're done can well, we, we go back when are we going to be done they, they just said they're gonna they're having a retreat to make 10 more years of this we're going to be gray before they're uh, done yeah uh, is Sean, there ever is there ever a chance when we get to go back and 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 collectively agree on a on a move. Is that um, part of the maybe tier? At, maybe at like the end of a phase. Maybe we could look at. Maybe we can talk about adding like uh, at the end of what a current phase that we're at. We go back and like. But that's Kevin our, Feige we told Sean like we're done with phases. He did tell me that. Yes. Okay. Well. You I like that? You like, you like how I like. Although we're in phase four. Right. All right. Well, here's here's just, our, here's our updated just tier list. Down. I'm gonna let Sean throw us to Doctor Strange, but I'll go ahead and say this now. While well, I'll say it in there because people are probably not looking at spoilers. Um. We're, oh, not okay. gonna do, we're not going to do Doctor Strange this week. We're going to do that next week, but I'll get into that into that segment. All right, so let's let's head into uh, our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Bendis. And yet again, uh, Jake is going to tap out because he has not seen it yet, and we are going to be able to talk spoilers. So uh, we are going to let's into. do let's do a quick spoiler-free reactions for the folks at home, just because it's opening weekend, and sure. then um, for all you lovely listeners and watchers, we will give you a firm warning before we give spoilers. Um, and I'll tell you all now for anyone. Who, um, who's going to dip out. We are not going to do the tier list for Doctor Strange this week. Jake is going to see it this weekend, so we're just going to hold off, and that way all four of us can tier list Strange together next week. Um, but yeah, who wants to start off spoiler-free? Go ahead. I want to start spoiler-free and say that something happened when we watched this movie, which was um, we came out of it, and I defended it stronger than Kevin did uh, because I liked it. I enjoyed the movie all the way through, had a good time with it. I was recognizing things that didn't work for me, but I was forgiving them because um, the things that were working, I enjoyed a lot more. Uh, and the more I thought about it, the more it came down for me uh, as I as I sort of processed a lot of stuff that was happening um, and 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 asked a lot of questions about like, oh, yeah, but what about what did that what did that mean kind of thing? So I came out of it on a high and I and I've since leveled off and I'm probably now closer to where Kevin is um, because he had some trepidations coming out of it. Um, so without getting into spoilers just yet, I think it's a perfectly fine and fun uh, Marvel movie. But it's not going to be one of the ones that sticks with me for a while uh, or, you know, accomplished a lot of stuff that wasn't already done in some other areas, uh, specifically WandaVision and specifically the first Doctor Strange. It does. It it, it opens up a couple of different portals to um, where the stories can go, where the world portals. can go. Yeah, no pun intended. But um, but after sitting with it for a little bit, it's it's one of those MCU movies that that came down a little bit as opposed to going up. What do you yeah, think? I mean, I. Uh, 
this is a hard film to me, for me to review because I'm such a Sam Raimi fan and I'm so appreciative of the little things that he puts into his films, whether it be camera movements, uh, sound design. Um, you know, there's a really big creative force that's happening in this film. My biggest problem here is that, it, and again, this is just kind of how I interpreted it. But as I'm watching the film, I felt like I was watching two dueling ideas and two dueling concepts that were basically fighting to become this one movie. And like, as the third act approaches, like you're really getting like the horror Sam Raimi classic, like evil dead army of darkness, drag me to hell. Like, like really interesting, like dark, violent, uh, nightmarish aspects. But then there's just a lot of it that just felt like the MCU was then trying to come in and make their normal MCU uh, storylines and movies. And, and I just think those two felt conflicted and, and never really understood what the movie wanted to be. It was like these two battles. Um, and I think what I find interesting about the film is that the story, it's about the multiverse. It feels weirdly small. Mm. Like, I feel like they didn't really go anywhere um in terms of like uh, just what they could have done with this um like there's this one shot which is released in the trailer and a clip as well where they're just like jumping through the multiverses and he like hits this paint multiverse and all these different things like that's kind of what i was hoping this movie would be playing with a little bit more is jumping in and out of these different universes um i don't want to go into too much detail but they really kind of honed it in on this like smaller scale and it just felt like almost like a two hour episode of WandaVision. Um, and I say that because I liked WandaVision. The first three episodes were phenomenal. I didn't love when they left the TV show aspect of it, uh, the land of the TV series or whatever. Um, but this movie feels more like we're just continuing Wanda's story from WandaVision, which I know it is, but it felt more like a Wanda story about her grief over Paul Bettany and and and, and Vision and the kids versus Doc, a Doctor Strange story. Um, I would argue that this like it's funny because like Doctor Strange to me in this movie feels like Doctor Strange's character and role of his importance in No Way Home, yeah. which is still a significant part of the story, obviously. But as I watched No Way Home. It's a Spider-Man movie. This feels like a Wanda film. Just I don't Doctor know Strange. why they didn't call it. The Scarlet Witch. Right. Or, <laughs> and the or Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch or whatever they would have Something. done with it. But but I, I think and again, this all comes uh, whether or not you loved WandaVision. Uh, if you liked WandaVision, this is to me, it feels like just another two hours of that show, really. Mm. And and that being said, then you put Raimi in there and I got to respect Marvel for allowing Raimi to still get that voice out there. I mean, his it's a Sam Raimi movie for sure. That's mm. battling with what an MCU movie should be or would be. Um, and I think that was my biggest problem with it. And I, and I think I still like the film. I'm at a three and a half out of five, but it's definitely problematic. I did not find the script to be good. Like the dialogue is, there's a lot of bad dialogue in this film and a lot of bad exposition. On top of that, the story, I don't know what this film did in my mind that I didn't, that I couldn't have already been told in a five to 10 minute window in another film, like what occurred in this two hour and 10 minute window that really was mind blowing and changed the future of the MCU. Sure. Last thing I'll say is this. Um, and this is a, I'm going to keep this vague for spoilers. I did not find the cameos interesting. I thought they were poorly written. Well, I want to talk um, about that. Yeah. I, I, and, and we can I just, just save that for spoilers. Yeah. You can go into detail. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm, this is, 
it pains me to say this about a Sam Raimi movie. Last thing I'll say is this. I miss Chiquino's score. Yeah, totally. Um, and the, the only I, times I, I it loved, stood out to know. me was when Elfman used Chiquino's bits. Yes, there was like this like little bit where they start using like there's like this famous like almost string yep. aspect. Yep. Uh, and it was my, one of my favorite needle drops of that was in No Way Home as we open the film, we're in Spider-Man, Peter Parker's world. Yep. And then when he goes to visit Doctor Strange and right when we see the, um, what's the, what's his thing called? The Sanctum the, Sanctorum. The Sanctum, right. Then you automatically hear that Giacchino, that, that, that like stringy instrument sound and you go, oh, now we're entering Doctor Strange's world. And I love Danny Elfman and Elfman. I don't think Elfman did anything that stood out. It, yeah, it just didn't like, like I love Elfman's work on Spider-Man, obviously. And I think that him and Raimi have a great relationship but it almost felt cartoony. And I know that's kind of what Raimi's bit is. It's like a cartoony, but also in a hardcore realm of horror. Um, but Elfman's, sure. it, it just felt like a different Doctor Strange than I'd already been dealing with. And I just kind of didn't feel familiar enough with it to be interested in this story. I hear you. Let's, um, let's go ahead and, and uh, talk spoilers. So if you're at home, uh, we are going to dive into spoiler talk. Look for our next section, which will be our Benedict Cumberbatch blend game. Um, that is when we'll be out of spoilers. But you've been f- warned fairly enough, I think, um, that spoilers are coming i will say um at the top of that because uh, i didn't quite give my spoiler free thoughts but that's fine i don't want us to spend too much time um i do want us to get to the end credits and kind of what's moving forward before we move on mm. but i agree um that the the wanda stuff didn't work for me and i think maybe i just misread the post credit scene of wandavision for me i felt i and someone who really enjoyed wandavision much more than kevin did um so you know you would kind of set that up as like maybe you would enjoy this for me i thought that wandavision what had happened is she was dealing with her grief she dealt with her yeah. grief and she grew to become this more powerful right. being yeah the arc had, happened yeah yes and so when yeah. this movie steps in and it says well it's about wanda's dealing with her grief right. i was like <laughs> i was like ah that i feel like we're just yeah. i was really satisfied with the way that that ended and, and that mm-hmm. she had moved on and then the fact that we're sort of retreading this i felt was a bit of a disservice to her as a character to sort of get a double note um, to ostensibly again, we're in spoilers seems to end her tenure in the MCU potentially. I think so. Um, yeah. The way that it's, I settled. felt that that was a bummer because I love Wanda. I love, um, I, I love that character. I think she's great in the character. She's great in this. And these moments are great. I wonder if maybe, you know, we've talked about how this is going to be, Hey, is Marvel going to take the, um, that the TV series as like, you have to see them in order to see the movies or not. And I'm a little concerned that them doing a double note of the kind of the same s- sort of the same emotions that we get in WandaVision are repeated for this film is like for me, a bad sign about their, their confidence that everyone saw WandaVision, you know, like, or that they thought everyone was going to see WandaVision because I, I feel like, if you were very confident about that, you would say, let's do something else. But again, maybe I just misread the way that ended. Not looking back at that post credit scene of WandaVision of her, like, you know, maybe there's more there of like, oh, she's evil now. I didn't quite get that. I just thought she had superpower. I thought she had just. I sure didn't up. think she was going to be evil. No, I thought she just leveled up and I was like, great. She got through her grief and that allowed her, you know, if if the hex was this cocoon that she built for herself. Right. She broke out of it in this series and now she's the Scarlet Witch. And she's going to be this awesome, powerful being. And then, and then she just kind of got used as a, again, it's wonderful motivation. And I'm glad that Marvel can go there. The double note for me was a bummer. 
And what what bummed me out the most about it, too, because I would agree with you, the more I thought about the Wanda stuff in this movie, uh, despite Elizabeth Olsen performing the hell out of it. Fantastic. Felt repetitive, even in the course of the movie. Like it, sure. it just kept being um, her looking in on alternate versions of, of a world where she could be with her kids. Right. And by the time we saw it, like the third time. I was like, all right, enough. Like, how many times are we going to have to do this? Like, I thought the same thing. And I was just like, and I get what they were going for. I get I get that they had to show her that the kids could be happy with their mom currently. I told sure. that. I mean, that was drilled into me the second in time she went to that place. You know what I mean? Right. And like, I just felt like they wasted and the so moment, much time. I, I did love the moment when when the alternate Wanda is like consoling her. She's having that moment at the end. Yeah. And yeah. she says, like, know that they'll be loved. Like, it's fantastic. Right. It's fantastic. It is great. It's it's just marred by like, well, I, I saw I saw right. I had the line of what is grief, if not love. Yeah. Uh, persevering. Well, like, I, I right. had that emotional beat. This yeah. is also another great version of that emotional beat. And, I, and, and what's YouTube. fascinating, a couple of things I, I want to jump into. Um, I'm not. And this is again. I want to preface this by saying that I, I'm a comic book movie fan. I'm not right. a comic book fan. I mean, sure. I don't read comics. So the Illuminati was something that I was I was not too familiar with. But that scene is so stacked with characters that are so large, especially with Krasinski's read read character. Because because at the end of the day, what's happening in this moment is you're introducing a gigantic character from the Fox universe into the. Marvel Universe now because Disney and Fox merged. And Patrick Stewart, too. Right. And so, like, to have Sir Patrick Stewart show up as Professor X and Krasinski to be introduced. I mean, see, Professor X isn't even as bad to me because we already we've already known him as X and he's just kind of there. It's really kind of the Krasinski one for me because it just felt lackluster. That whole scene was written weirdly. I didn't like the staggered dialogue of how they all explained in one sentence each why he was there. It just felt like so orchestrated in a way that it didn't feel the reveal felt like rushed and and non-emotional i didn't yeah. care there was no stakes um but that being said like you know i'm i'm there's a lot in there that i do love and and gabe and i discussed this i love this there's a music fight that's so cool yeah where they're 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 basically it's two doctor strange is the evil or the the one and one and then, and then our guy basically going back and forth with, with musical notes. It's so um, cool. It's such a great scene. Like that, like it's, it's so funny. Cause like when that moment hits, I'm like, damn, yeah. this is so I, I, I did awesome. Wanna, I did want to reply to your criticism of the Raimi stuff because I looked at it. I saw it differently, not criticism of the Raimi stuff, but you, 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 you um, described it as sort of like fighting Marvel. And I yeah. find that, I find that really interesting because for me, I, to me, it felt like it was a Marvel movie and, and you know, like the undead fist through the grave, it felt like Raimi was just punching through everyone. So I didn't see it as a fight. To me, it felt like I got these awesome. Ra- I got reminded that it was Raimi making. A- if it had been any other filmmaker who was like doing Raimi bits, it would feel off. But those moments I, were like few and far between. Where it would like, like I know what you're saying because like when that music thing hits, you go, "Damn, this well, is it's, awesome." It's that it's the cackling um, spirits. It's the yes, it's yeah. the fist. For me, it never felt like it was combative. It always to me, it always felt like it, they were just these great highlights that were. You know, ebbs and flowing throughout. There's 
So the I thought that was an interesting note that you gave because for me it wasn't. Those it moments feel are like so fighting. much better than. The, but the, but like but don't you find it fascinating that we both equally came to a conclusion of how awesome those moments were? Yeah, and we're just we're Raimi fans, and I think we're we're right. filmmaking nerd. Like the average person's not gonna go like, oh, I I I feel like I'm watching Army of Darkness for this t- these ten seconds. Right. Like that's part like, of the high that we get. That it's not necessarily you know sure. co- or common. Black Bolt uh, having his mouth sealed so that, that his cool. inside that's, head explodes straight is, out of the boys. Dope as shit. Yeah, that was like <laughs> Matrix. Matrix meets the boys, basically. Like the, when yeah, the yeah. mouth will close, I'm like, that's Neo. And then when yeah. I love that they, um, when she's covered in the oil from the machines or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's but it looks like blood, like it's how they get away with it not being blood. But sure. it just looks like she's covered in blood. Like they they get the horror horror imagery without you know. Well, and getting Captain the Carter got severed in half by a shield. It's yeah. Just, yeah, I was surprised how violent it was. And oh, that, that, and that was, was beautifully thing. shot, by yeah. the way. Kevin, if you rewatch it, or if you remember, yeah, the way that he... I took note of it in the moment where I was like, what a... Br-, like, that's what you get when you hire someone like Sam, Sam Marie's caliber right. who, who, who came up through, you know, uh, 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 not having enough... Like, body means. horror. Like, yeah, Body yeah. horror, but, but, like, he came up with having a minimum budget. Like, he is yeah. economic, if anything. That's the thing that he learned first with his craft. The way that the, they cut that together, you never see her cut in half. But he mm-hmm. he lets her move in a way that you go that you you recognize as someone being sliced in half, and then it drops and it's just a bloody shield. It is a PG thirteen movie. It never yeah. leaves the PG thirteen. But you in your mind see a human body cut in half in a Marvel. Which and Gabe's point Gabe's point there is fascinating because to me that's actually even more violent in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. Because the jaws, the jaws thing. Yeah, right. And I I always go to seven because like. To me, Seven was Another so horrifying yeah. because you never saw the kills. They were just the aftermath. And then, the, like, when the guy's explaining Lust, like, his description of Lust in Seven is more horrifying than anything I could have seen Fincher put to screen with that. Because, and, and to Gabe's point, that Captain Carter moment is really brutal. Like, it feels, like, there's also a moment, uh, I'm trying to remember who, was it Chiwetel who gets impaled? Remember no like, Benedict. Uh, it was the other oh, Benedict. Benedict. He gets yeah. thrown yeah. out of the thing and lands on the on the yeah. spikes. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a line at the end of the film. And we're we're still in spoilers here, so mm-hmm. there's we're a warning spoilers. up that kind of sums up the insanity of the film. When I, I can't remember who says it to Strange, but they're like, I think it's uh, Benedict Wong. He's like, Yeah, we're talking about the moment when you uh, dream walked into your corpse and started like like <laughs> like the way he says oh, that. Oh yeah, is zombie so, Benedict is so great. Yeah, like I did that, but but. Don't you find that interesting, like how nonchalant that line was? And then you go, oh, that is kind of crazy that they just did that. I, I, what I will say about that, and this is maybe a criticism, is that there was so much going on in the film and so much happening at once. It was so convoluted that I I was having a hard time kind of like following it. But the, the difference, Gabe, you saw everything everywhere all at once, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. We can discuss okay. that later. Yeah, I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. But that movie is a multiverse film. And that movie is supposed to put you in a mindset where you feel frantic and then it finds its lane. That's done on purpose. This felt frantic just because it didn't, in my opinion, know what it wanted to be. So like that joke, that line about like, hey, when you dream walked into your corpse, I didn't even think about that being part of what actually happened in the story because it was so much going on. It was when Benedict said that line. I go, oh, that's what Raimi just did because okay. it was just so lost. It was just I don't know. I love Anyways. that bit. I, I thought zombie zombie strange was, cool. was great, and the fact that yeah. his cloak was the spirits and stuff. What does cool. the end mean? One with the eye. I'll explain well, it before we get to that. Uh, one thing, I, and Sean is going to take us through this segment with what's what's next. Um, one thing that we haven't discussed that I want to is um, the character of America Chavez. I thought was 
awesome. Her power is super sick. I'm excited to see what she does next. Um, the actor who was in the like the Babysitters Club or something, something I haven't seen. I was not familiar with her. Thought she was phenomenal. Um, we hadn't touched on that yet. She's in it quite a bit, um, but not you know massively. She's a, she's an important part of the story. I she's she the fantastic. she's the key of the story. She's the key of the story, and I thought she was yeah. great in it. I thought the I thought the character was really cool. Um, and I'm excited to see more from her. I thought her powers are really cool. I, I was worried, like, when we first saw the, the shape of her, I was like, is this going to feel... It, I fell right into it. I thought it was so cool. And the way that she's, like, punching through different realities, with the fact that Marvel's going through multiverse, you know, it seems like that's what we're going to be in for the next bit. Mm. She seems like she's going to be important to that, and she was great. Um, but, at, but at the end of the she, day, everything, everywhere, all at once is a better multiverse film than this movie. All right, Sean, uh, Sean, can you can you walk us through sort of in credit scene and um, kind the of, very last, of what's going to be next? So the very last shot of the movie is was very confusing to me in the moment. It's one of those things I had to think about at the time. So it's Benedict um, walking casually on the streets of New York City uh, after uh, finishing everything. And then he um, collapses and the eyeball uh, shows up in his forehead and everyone's like, OK, what the hell does that mean? And Kevin and I talked about it after the fact. And we were like, does that mean that the, the strange that he almost defeated that he saw in the dark world uh, is now him? Like, did we miss a switch up at some point? But I think it's just the repercussions of they talked throughout the movie that if you mess with the dark hold uh, and you uh, dabble in its power, it's going to impact you. It it's going to change toll. you in a way. Yeah, I think that's the hold in the dark hold. There's so hold that's right going to be whatever whatever that third eye means for strange. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be him moving forward, because to that end, when you get to the the only mid credit scene that matters in terms of plot, uh, okay. the revelation of Clea, who is a popular character from the Doctor Strange comics and eventually becomes a bit of a love interest uh, being played by Charlize Theron. She gives the line of like, are you afraid of something? Well, Strange has just been told to uh, face his fears uh, by Christine. So he says, not at all. The eye appears on his forehead, showing us a new power that Doctor Strange potentially is going to have uh, moving forward. And then they go into it. Uh, My reaction to Charlize Theron being cast as Cleo was, "Hmm, all right, I guess. Um, It feels like, you know, Harry Styles gets introduced at the end at the end of Eternals. And you're like, all right, I guess we'll figure out what that means moving forward. I have no idea what that means for her moving forward. And I also I just a little bit feel with all due respect to Charlize Theron, that that's uninspired casting. Um, I just she's been in so many franchises between the Fast and the Furious, her being in Mad Max. um, I, I just didn't think that that was like, like, oh, yeah, that's the person you should get for Clea. Um, I'm not saying that I know who they should have gotten instead, but I was when I saw that that she was cast, I was pretty I, surprised at how underwhelmed I was. I have one question, and then and then we do need to to move on because you boys yeah. have to go interview Tom Cruise. Um, are we? Do we know where Doctor Strange shows up next? Is he just gonna? Is Doctor Strange three the only thing we can point towards? No, because like we said, like you know, it feels like they can crisscross and pop up almost anywhere. Sure. But we don't have an insight into what that might be yet, right? No, like not right wise. now. Okay. Not right now. It it could be a while before we see him based on everything that's been been announced. Cool. So, cool. all right. Well, that leads us into our blend game where we continue to talk about Doctor Strange uh, through the character of Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, we are gonna for this week briefly run through this because, as Gabe pointed out, we're all trying to get to Tom Cruise. So uh, I'll go first with my Benedict Cumberbatch pick, and it could only be Sherlock. Um, his interpretation of Sherlock is so incredible. That it's one of those. So this was around the time when when streaming was starting to ramp up. 
And now we're at the point where every couple of weeks someone's like, oh, did you see this thing on streaming? Um, and you you get into like an Ozark or some sort of show that that everybody's sort of binging. And it was when Sherlock came out, I honestly said to myself, like, I don't need another interpretation of Sherlock like this. It's been done so many different times. And I think at that time, too, there was one with Lucy Liu uh, that was on CBS and it felt like just a procedural, a weekly procedural. Um, but I finally put it on one time and it was so perfect. Like his interpretation of uh, the modernization of Sherlock uh, and the way that Benedict played him was so brilliant. And I was just hooked and they're 90 minute episodes. So it feels like you're getting like a little short, shortish Sherlock movies and they're all tremendous. And I wish they just made uh, a thousand more of them because they were tremendous, tremendous uh, stories and interpretations. The way they brought in Moriarty was really fantastic. And his uh, interplay with the kid from The Hobbit, who I'm blanking on, who's the guy from The Hobbit? Martin, Martin Freeman. Short? Thank you. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Martin Short would be hysterical. <laughs> Martin Short in The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> terrific chemistry. Amazing chemistry between the two of them. And, uh, you know, it's Benedict's probably going to always be known for Doctor Strange. But I think that his his portrayal of of Sherlock was uh, was genius. And I, I I love it. Love it. Love it. So, uh, Jakey, where, where would you go for Benedict? Uh, I'm going him as Doctor Strange in Infinity War. Ooh, um, nice. I think and, and that's a, a specific moment because I feel like that's. Um, the most different, interesting way. And granted, I have not seen uh, Multiverse of Madness yet, but I love. I mean, and it's it's funny because it's almost indicative of how I feel Benedict Cumberbatch feels about it. But it almost feels like Doctor Strange is annoyed to be in in a Marvel world in the same way that sometimes I sort of feel Benedict Cumberbatch isn't entirely into the whole like it just feels like he's the kind of actor that's tired of being asked about infinity stones and thanos that you know he's he wants to be asked about projects like I sherlock and, and power of the dog i think but, that he opens up his bank app and he's pretty okay well, yeah i mean but that's you know it's he, but it kind of goes to that like it, it, it reminds superpowers dog powers <laughs> it just reminds me of that um that that great michael kane quote where he says i've never seen jaws 4 but i've seen the house it paid for sure um and, you know yeah. and, but but his doctor strange particularly in infinity war Seeing the foil between him and Tony Stark, kind of, um, you know, watching his interactions with the different other members of of uh, the MCU, um, you know, dealing with, you know, the kid that is Peter Parker. Uh, I thought he handled it very well. And that was really at a period of time where it, that it was still Captain America's and Iron Man's and the OG's like game. It was still mm-hmm. very much them. Now, at this point, it kind of feels like Doctor Strange has sort of sl- slipped into like the main role in the MCU. But th- at, at that point, Doctor Strange and Benedict very much was a supporting role in the MCU. And he really stood his ground in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just that that moment at the end when it just, you know, him holding up the one finger, mm-hmm. kind of this acceptance of like, look, this is the way it's got to be. Yeah. And and he communicated so much in that moment. And I know I feel bad like now, like him holding up the fingers turned into like a gif or like a meme that people use for, for humor purposes. But like, that was such a powerful moment in that movie. Um, kind of where like he and Tony had to come to terms with, with like what was happening in this moment. And, and again, I'm such an infinity war fan because I love this idea that like not the heroes don't always win. Um, and that moment of acceptance, like him raising the finger cap saying like, Oh God, when he realizes like half the people have dusted, like all those moments of like acceptance of like here, this is what's happening. Um, I just, I, I loved it, but, but, but you're absolutely spot on about his, his Sherlock, his Sherlock is, is, is incredible. Yeah. Where'd you go? I mean, you guys know how much I love. Uh, Scott Derrickson's Doctor Strange. Um, sure. I th- I think that 
Benedict's arc in that film is brilliant. And I think what I love about the Marvel films overall is that there's a genuine performance that goes into all of these characters and you care about them. And there's, it's not just a superhero. It's a genuinely uh, 360 full bodied built individual who's going through whatever arc they're going through. So when Dr. Strange opens the first movie, um, not only did I think that film had, and again, this is nothing to do with Cumberbatch, but some of the most impressive visual effects I've ever seen as the film opens and we're just kind of in that surgery. Right. And he's like going back and forth with that guy about the, the year an album came out. And it's just that moment that, 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 uh, that confidence, that over um, that cockiness that he had and what needed to happen to break him, what needed to happen to bring him towards that path. Um, And I just really loved that journey. I thought his car crash scene is one of the more brutal uh, moments that I've seen in the MCU, just the way he hits that, the way that that, that accident scene is horrifying. And just to mm-hmm. think about what happens to his hands and his, everything during that. And then there's this really cool shot that Derrickson does as he wakes up. That's a little off kilter as his hands are kind of like in those casts. Um, and it's just like the, 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 the defeat element of what happens to him and then how he goes on his journey. Um, his accent as Dr. Strange is I think one of the best American accents I've ever heard. I love the way he plays that accent. Um, Emotionally, I think the beauty of what Multiverse of Madness does is it kind of makes you understand how much he wishes he could have had a relationship with Rachel McAdams' character. And kind Mm -hmm. of this film, the first film, was really kind of him pushing her away because he emotionally, psychologically lost the thing that makes him the most happy. So he's he's pushing everyone else that he loves around him away because he can't be happy himself. And um, I just think the character is tortured in a very interesting way that I love his arc. And I love Giacchino's score. I love the way he plays with that. Chiwetel's great. Tilda Swinton and Benedict are great in that movie. I just, I I think it's top 10 MCU for me. I love that movie. I'll always defend it. Um, Not that it got bad reviews, but I don't think it's considered to be great in the grand scheme of the MCU by a lot of people. And I actually think it's one of the more underrated uh, and I think he's just incredible in it to me. I, and I will tell you right now, that's a, not an easy performance. Like this guy came from heavy British characters, heavy drama uh, uh, prior to this. And then to jump into this world and actually fully realize a character and make me go on his journey. I knew nothing about Dr. Strange going into that film. I mean, I knew he was, the character existed, but he made me and Derrickson's love of the character made me fall in love with that concept of who he is. And I always think it's great that he's not the Sorcerer Supreme. I think that's such a cool aspect of him and Benedict and, um, and, and kind of how that arc plays out later. But yeah, that's my number one. Audience picks Alistair, Haley, Emma, and Harry Lichtman. And also Ben Kuntz went with Doctor Strange. Kim Kinney, Jeff Cabrera, and several others went with The Imitation Game. Yeah. Uh, and I find this very hard to believe, but at least two people, uh, Kelly and Connor Bro- Brosnahan, went with Khan from Star Trek and In Darkness. And um, I don't He plays Khan? I don't believe you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but alert. you do you knock his performance? the movie maybe, maybe yeah i mean that's not. the thing is that, 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 the okay. handling of it is is what annoys me he's okay. good in it but it was the yeah. whole like he's not con wink that's that's fair yes I, I i i'm judging the movie and not his performance so all right i i'm sorry kelly and connor <laughs> i apologize to you uh for next week reach out on twitter using the hashtag when i was 10 blend yeah so when you were 10 years old what was your favorite movie 
Everyone knows mine was Gone with the Wind, uh, but I want to hear from you guys. Dude, Gone with the Wind Stop was not that. out when you it were 10. Yeah, come on. It was something, uh, again, it was something from the Lumiere brothers, right? Let us know your pick via email at realbundance.com. The, 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 the one the ship goes into the, the eye of the, the moon. moon. Yeah. We have to get going, so please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our next premium episode is going to be a fun game we're going to play called Taglines. So again, check your descriptions below for more information on how you can sign up to get premium episodes of Real Blend. Until then, you can uh, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. We will probably have some photos and video and fun stuff from the red carpet for Top Gun. Uh, so until then, when we get to talk about Top Gun Maverick and more things uh, coming to multi multiplexes near you very soon, uh, keep it right here for Real Blend. Let's pads. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.